Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Avinola is a small batch gourmet granola that's made with grain and gluten-free ingredients. It's made from ancient lupini beans, which are filled with fiber and tons of plant protein. It's less than one gram of sugar and only 95 calories per serving. It's a zero guilt snack that checks all the boxes and loads of fiber to keep you feeling full. So Emma, what's your favorite part of Avinola? Well, obviously y'all already know I love the chocolate, but the coconut almond vanilla is also very, very good. Um, Besides just eating it straight out of the bag because it's that delicious, I love to make like a Greek yogurt bowl, bunch of avinola, honey, berries, macadamia nuts, maybe some pecans. I don't know, whatever my little heart is feeling. But that is my favorite way to enjoy avinola. And I especially love this company and this brand because A, it's a small business and B, it is women owned and created. We absolutely love Maggie. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to her episode. But you guys can use discount code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of Avinola. So code PILOTSPANDEMIC. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. What's up? What's up? Yeah, we're back after a little break. Um, I know we've been taking a lot of breaks, but hey, we've had like a busy past Honestly, it's been a really busy past two months between all the travel and all the holiday. And obviously we wanted to take some time off to be able to share and spend some quality time with our loved ones. But we are back this week to share some little advocacy updates with y'all. One of them being um, the AOPA article that what was like little article highlight about me that Nikki, I'm going to say her last name wrong. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Nikki Britton or Brighton. It's probably Nikki Britton. I think. Yeah. I think it's Nikki Britton wrote about me in the AOPA. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then also a highlight about Chris Daniel's story, which we have shared and talked about a little bit in episode 42 in June. And you'll also be hearing this from his wife, Tessa, in December. She's going to come on the show and talk to us about that. So I look forward to recording that with her and hearing her story soon. But before we get into all the serious stuff, um, we need to do some turkey talk, <laughs> turkey day questions. Turkey, 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 trot talk. But Uh, before we even get into it, can I just say that I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving. It's a pre-Christmas celebration, and we don't celebrate anything that is a part of the genocide that once was the foundation of this country. I just don't do it anymore. Yes, exactly. I'm trying to be more. Thanksgiving is like the shit show before Christmas. I feel like that's when all the disaster and craziness happens is always on Thanksgiving um but yeah so how was your Thanksgiving like what was one of your favorite foods that you ate um I didn't have any of my favorite foods my favorite foods are collards and mac and cheese those are two staples that like must be at my Thanksgiving dinner but they were not at my Thanksgiving dinner this year I did really enjoy the sweet potato um casserole you know the kind with the little marshmallows that always hits you know you really can't make that wrong um so yeah I would say that was for sure my favorite dish also, I had the the desserts were really the um, star of the show. There was a cake. It was like a lemon cake, but with strawberry jam or strawberry preserves with like a lemon cream, cream cheese, frosty. I can't even, wow. it was like strawberry, but lemon. It was so good. Oh my Lord. Anyways, like yeah, that was definitely Strawberry lemonade part. cake is like the image that just got in my head. Yes, it was, it was very good. What about I you? Made a, I made a cake actually, or a pie, I guess. It's not a cake, it's a pie. 
usually I don't cook anything for Thanksgiving, but this year I was like, I want to do something because I never do. And it's actually fun to cook for Thanksgiving sometimes. So I told my mother-in-law I was going to bring a butterboard and a, a pie and I made a chocolate cream pie that I've never made before. Ooh but it turned out really good. I made a Oreo crust. Mm. Bro, making your own crust is like one of the most time-consuming things. Like it's a test of patience for real. So I was proud of myself for making that pie because it took me a little bit and it turned out great. It was a, it was a hit. And my butter board that I made, have you had one yet? They're like, so I haven't made right one, now. but they're they're so freaking popular. I see it all yeah. over TikTok, but I have not dank though. Like I haven't hit. indulged in a butterboard of my own. Yeah, well, they're very tasty. I probably ate half my butterboard I made and uh I paid for it that evening. <laughs> What'd you put on your butterboard though? I put so I I use Tillamook butter, which is like the butter from Oregon. And it's so like creamy, it almost tastes like cheese because the Tillamook is like known for their cheese. So the, the butter almost tastes like cheese. It's so good. And then I put a cranberry, like a sugar cranberry. I had like cooked it down on the stove. So it was really sweet cranberry. It tasted so good, like a sauce, like jam. Mm. And then I put rosemary on top of that and some feta. It was like sheep's feta that I put on top of it too. And it was, it was a hit, dude. Everybody loved it. Man, that sounds really, really good. I did have a really good charcuterie tray and oh, I, you really can't go wrong with some meats and some olives. I was literally just eating meats, mustard on a Triscuit and like an olive. I Y'all don't even want, oh, just the, 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 oh God, the things that we eat on charcuterie boards and what are like deemed as like these very decadent foods that you enjoy they're like cocktail foods they're supposed to be kind of elegant and classy and bougie I'm sorry but I don't want to know what my mouth smells like after (laughs) eating meat mustard (laughs) on a triscuit with a freaking olive I'm like where are the capers at bring it all (laughs) seriously my mouth is watering though oh gosh and then you just eat so many of them by the time like the dinner comes you're like dude I don't even know if I have another compartment in my stomach because I've just really eaten appetizers for the last four hours and that's literally what happened to me at Thanksgiving the whole table of appetizers was just like sitting in front of me and I couldn't stop myself I'm like I want to try this I want to try this And, and you're not full and then by the time dinner comes you're like what did I do to myself I feel that. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's funny. I can compartmentalize for Thanksgiving. It's, it's a certain, I don't know. It's like we throw out all stocks for that day. My stomach just is on a different. (laughs) It expands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm mentally preparing for like days for what's about to be like come, you know what I mean? But you're so excited for it. I feel like that's what keeps me going, man. I'm like, I really, you don't really get to eat like that all the time. So I'm like, just fill me up, man. I uh, have to remind you too, that this is my first Thanksgiving that I ate meat in like, God, 13, 14 years. Wait, you're eating meat again? Yes. When did that happen? (laughs) what I've I literally told you this dude I was like I'm making bacon right now I feel like I cooked bacon oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no 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 yeah. I, I did see you make bacon that one day when we were just talking on FaceTime yeah. but I thought like you were kind of doing that for shits and giggles like the you know what rinds. it started like, with you know what it started with me eating that fucking pork rind yep at your house you started yep. it <laughs> yep Dude, and that's why I thought you were eating bacon. I was like, oh, she she must be like making a little exception for like certain pork products because bacon is kind of like, you know what I mean? To me, I'm like, whatever. It's like, it's a piglet. It's like (laughs) me, obviously, but like, I'm like, it's a snack, just like a pork rind. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) It's puffed. Like, so when do you become a meat eater? Like you have to eat like a steak or like something? a steak? No, seriously. Like I want, I want like a steak or chicken off the grill makes you like really hardcore okay. a meat eater. Which those are two things that like, oh lord, I'm sorry, but there's one thing you won't catch me doing it, and it's fiending for some like chicken breast straight off the grill. 
I don't want to sit down and cut into chicken like that. I don't want to see the meat. It needs to be like a chicken tender. It needs to be covered. I also do like a lot of, well, see, but I do a lot of chicken in the skillet, but it's always with like a pasta or something. And I always season the hell out of it. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. Okay. I I don't know, but I like chicken, but honestly, the reason I feel like half the reason I turned vegetarian in the first place when I was a teenager because I think I was 19 when I decided is because my mom when we were growing up all she made was chicken breasts like baked in the oven and I think I had so much chicken I was like I'm fucking tired of meat and so I stopped but now coming back eating meat again I do like chicken I like the lighter meats I'm not a huge like beef fan and I haven't had steak yet have you had Taco Bell yet like like beef from Taco Bell. Yes. I will not. I have not had beef from Taco Bell though, dude. I refuse. Like I still get black bean crunch wraps. I don't know like how that will affect my stomach. I feel like it's going to be not so tasty and I'll probably have a risk worth willing to take. If I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yesterday I went to a like Asian restaurant and it's called Mochi Nut. So they do mochi donuts and they do the dipped, um, they're called, I think, Korean hot dogs. So they dip the hot dog in like either hot Cheetos or ramen. And me and Jesse had one of those, but I had the worst acid reflux after I had it, but it tasted so good. So I probably will have one again, but probably not in the near future, but oh. That was prime time. I love I love hot dogs. And I think that's probably the worst meat for you, but I don't give a shit. I've been really craving a hot dog. I said that to Zach the other day. We were in Publix and we were standing there with like in the hot dog section. I was like, damn, like I would kill a hot dog. I used to love um when I was little, I used to just take a hot dog, preferably the kind that had the cheese in them, like Kraft. Oh, yes. Oscar yes. Myers used to have one that had like cheese in it. Oh yes. my God, yo, he's so good. Um, oh, and then slapped. just put him in a pan and get that real good crisp on him. And this is where it kind of goes a little south. I used to sit there and eat it with just straight like horseradish. Oh, I love God. horseradish on a freaking hot dog. Love a good hot dog. Um, speaking of you eating meat, I'm literally about to send you like a Chick Fil A or not a Chick Fil A, a um a freaking Bojangles chicken filet biscuits. Oh, in the mail. You're going to yep. send me Bojangles. It's going to be like a three or four day old Bojangles. Uh, I, I wonder if I could mail it to you in a way that it would get there like okay. really quick. Uh, <laughs> I don't like four or five hours. Unless it goes on a flight. Like stand by a Bojangles sandwich to me. Ooh, like send it with someone. I could... Loiter around the airport. Yeah, be like, hey, can you take this to my friend? She'll meet you. Oh man. No, what I need to do is Jesse needs to fly here and then I'll we'll hang out and we'll get Chick-fil-A and I'll have him pack a biscuit for you and he'll take it home. Okay. That sounds like a great plan. Or if he has a trip to Charleston, I'll just come with that him and then we'll go to Bojangles. That sounds like an even better plan. Oh, Lord, I need to send you the biscuit I got the other day, but let's um, keep on moving. Okay. Airfare, healthy snacks on the go. Airfare curates and delivers healthy snacks to flight crew, travelers, and aviation businesses. They source more than 50 snacks from small businesses across North America. Hundreds of pilots love these snacks because they are healthy unique and have a long shelf life and they're perfect for keeping you feeling great on in the flight deck our listeners can get 50 percent off their first order of customizable snacks using our discount code pilots podcast at checkout so go visit airfarepouch.com to check out all the snack options and learn more again that's airfarepouch.com to use our code pilots podcast for 50% off your first order of truly healthy snacks so we covered thanksgiving and all of that jazz that happened um so i just wanted to move on to congratulate you on your little highlight in the aopa magazine emma that's so amazing you know thank you but i think it's awesome like 
and I also am just amazed by all the people that have reached out to you too. Um, so thank you for all the hard work that you put in, girl. I love you. You know that. Um, so the highlight. Love you I too, highlight bitch. Just Sorry, in case we have some. Possible. <laughs> oh, yes, marriage possible between Emma and I. We have yet to set a date though. Um, <laughs> we'll keep you posted. Yeah, so keep you posted. But I did want to like just touch the article. So if you guys are listening to the Pilots Pandemic podcast because you did read Emma's article or you're just ne- a new listener, I just wanted to kind of cover a little background about Emma so you can keep that fresher in your mind. But the article said Last Co, which is Emma's last name, grew up flying with her dad in his Piper J3 Cub, but never imagined she would become a pilot herself. That all changed in 2017 when Lasker's father died while in the process of obtaining his special issuance medical. That's when she decided to start taking flight lessons at her local airport in North Carolina. It was one of my dad's dreams for me to get my PPL, she said, so that's what I did. 11 months after her father's death, Lasker's uncle took his own life. This pushed my dedication to aviation even further, Emma said. Um, so I love that they kind of covered that in a really small way. Um, but then they followed up by saying, following the launch of her petition, Lasko started a podcast called The Pilot's Pandemic, where she and her co-host discussed the importance of mental health and air medical reform. The podcast of- often features aviation professionals dedicated to air medical reform and other special guests who share their experiences losing their medical and navigating special issuance pathways. So awesome. They shouted out the podcast too. I love that. And just kind of cool to have you featured in the AOPA because I think for a long time, just mental health and aviation has been covered up by those types of organizations. And now they're opening up that spotlight. So how did that make you like feel? Um, I think you, I, it was really shocking for me. I think it first started when they wanted to do the little lightning round on their Instagram. And that obviously shocked me. I was like, dang, okay. Like w- with everything that I've said and done, cause I feel like even though Maddie and I have received overwhelming positive response, I do think that there are people in those higher positions that are looking at me like, man, you're like a walking time bomb. You know what I mean? I feel like I've, there are people that probably definitely think that I've done a lot of self-sabotaging, but it was, I don't know. It was just really enlightening. Like that after everything that we've said and everything that we've done, that somebody really wanted to finally cough up and like say something or spotlight it. or I don't know. It's just, I it's still like, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around to the point where like, I've been dreaming about it a lot. And like, I've dreamt that I got the magazine. I haven't even gotten it yet. Mm. I don't know. It just like does not feel real because if you were to tell this, tell me this a year ago, I would have laughed at you. I would have laughed in your face. Um, and I've even said on this show, you know what I mean? I've, was very disappointed in the beginning with the way that some of these organizations and associations did respond to my message and were responding to air medical reform. But now to see like a year, honestly, that's really, really quick. I feel like for some of these, I mean, the AOPA is massive. So for them to want to highlight something like that, I feel like something massive has shifted within the past year, which makes me super, super hopeful. And I think that's kind of the overwhelming theme for me right now is like it it gives me hope that something is going to happen like I feel like people are starting to wake up and be more aware and understand how pressing of an issue this is becoming and has been yeah I think it's really just like a testament to the work that you and I have been doing in in spreading awareness and advocating for change and then also like obviously elevating people's voices on our platform so to see the AOPA come out with an article about you is like, it's just like a testament to all that work that we've been doing. And I think that's amazing. Um, But also I think the other cool thing that has happened is all of the outreach that has happened since your article came out, like the people coming into your, your emails and your direct messages and stuff on social media and like telling you their story or asking for advice. So uh, do you want to kind of share about some of those stories? Yeah. So I've, I honestly, that was another really shocking thing because I'm not, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously I, 
from the moment that Nikki asked me if I wanted to do this, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, wh why would you ever say no? But I was kind of thinking like, you know what I mean? Like, do people really read magazines? Like, do people actually take the time and sit down and like read and like read the excerpts in them? Um, which I guess apparently people do because so many people reached out and I was just, I don't know, that was mind blowing for me. I was like, holy crap, like, wow. Um, which kudos to the AOPA like I need to subscribe now I guess because they must put on like a good magazine if all these people are like reading it every single month which was really impressive um but yeah I had people reach out that just had some really really interesting stories and obviously I don't want to share like too many details but it was just again eye-opening to hear some of these people's stories who for example, like some people that have flown for five, nine years that they've been flying and they've had this career and it so suddenly and abruptly ends. It's just, I don't know, man, it's wild. It is really, really wild. The amount of people who are dealing with this. I feel like we both kind of feel like we're in this really niche, small community, but it's wild when you start to like add all these people up who are suffering trying to get something as for some of these people as small as their PPL. And that's the other crazy part to me is I just, we've said it on this podcast before, and I'll say it again. It makes no sense to me why obtaining a third class medical is harder than obtaining a first. It's just, mm -hmm. I understand the priority of obtaining the first class, but it just, it really makes no sense. And it breaks my heart that some of these people like that is their dream. They just want to be able to fly a plane by themselves and for a lot of these people they know that either they've been fighting the long fight and they're hoping that it will be possible but there are a lot of these people that know that it will not be possible um so with the joy of connecting with people i think there also has been a little bit of sadness because there are a lot of people you guys who don't get their SI. I know we share a lot of people who have had success with the SI pathway, but a lot of people don't. Um, and or the other thing is that they do get them first class medical, but over the years passing the tests that are required by the special issuance process, they don't pass them one year or the other. And then their medical is pulled. So it's like, yeah. even when they're trying to do the right thing, and follow all the steps and they have held their first class special issuance they can still get it taken away and that does happen often too so there's never unfortunately like yes it does mm -hmm. yeah and it always seems to happen with the cog screen which is so mind-blowing to me and if you all have listened back we've talked about the cog screen a lot and i don't know i just i can't imagine having to do something like that every single year and then you've been doing it for years and you might just be having a bad day or there's other external factors that you can't really account for. It's just, I don't, dude, it's just sad. It's really sad. There's no other way to put it. It's unfair. Um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't understand we, how you can tell somebody we, who's passed something for nine years, just like, no, like, and you don't get a second chance. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I was just thinking like, I don't think that we've actually talked about the cog screen in detail. So we'll probably have to do like an episode on that. But I, over time, over us like working on change and stuff, have realized just how shitty the cog screen is and how it just is like another impediment to a pilot getting their medical. It's not really proving their cognitive abilities. It's just like a blip in time. Um, so I think it's just honestly like, uh, crime to even make these pilots go through the this cog test but also even if we wanted to get rid of the cog screen we'd have to have another test in its place so that's kind of why it's always just been there because there isn't another test to replace the cog screen and there's no way that the fa is ever just going to remove the cog screen without putting something in its place but it's just so frustrating because the cog screen it there's so many different facets to it that it just it sucks if you do fail it because it's only a blip in time of your actual cognitive abilities. I don't think it really explains like the big picture. And that's why I think it should just be replaced with something better. Yeah. I don't understand why they wouldn't just have like a 
I have so many ideas when it comes to that. And I'm not going to say any of them because I am not a doctor, nor am I a scientist, nor do I claim <laughs> to like, like know what is the right solution. But I can tell you when something is not the right solution. And I can tell you playing a little freaking hours of like, freaking I don't even know digital age computer games is not the way to tell if somebody's like mentally able to be able to be in control of a plane it's just it, it is beyond me um it's just really stupid but yeah yeah mm. oh um the other thing that we I wanted to touch on to too sorry I'm getting my tongue twisted today uh was the one cool thing that came out of the AOP article also is that one of your dad's friends reached out to you. So um, you want to share about that? Yeah. So yeah, I um, had gotten home from Thanksgiving and I had a bunch of emails that I needed to respond to everyone that like I connected with. There were a couple of people that I really you know, obviously want to talk to you. So I'm sitting down and I'm responding to emails and I come across a name in my emails. And I know I had not emailed this person, but their name was very, very familiar. Um, and they sent me an email and it was obvious. It was a lovely email. Um, I'm honestly really, really thankful for this email. It was just, it was one of those emails that you don't get often, but when you do, you're like, yeah. So essentially one of my dad's friends that he had flown with, he sent me just, you know, an email about how he'd seen the article and was kind of talking about my dad, told me a couple of stories, but included in his email was a two minute long um, voicemail that my dad had left him. I believe this was June 3rd and my dad died June 30th. So this was, I think, two or three weeks before he passed which is just, I don't know, like when I'm, I'm reading the email and it was a pretty long email and I get to the end of it and I start reading the part where he's like below I have attached and I'm just, it was like one of those feelings where my heart kind of dropped in a way where like I knew it was going to be hard to listen to. One half of me is like, I really do want to listen to it, obviously, but I haven't heard my dad talk in five years. Nonetheless, have I heard him talk about something that I've been yelling about for what, like two years, two and a half years now. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was mind blowing. It, it really did send chills down my spine, but essentially my, my dad had called him and left him like about a two minute long voicemail, just talking about what he had been going through um, and kind of his feelings about everything that was going on at that period of time, which at that point he was obviously not working, trying to get his special issuance back, which I, I guess we're going to include the, the voicemail. Um, so you guys can listen to it. Me and Maddie both feel like it's really important for you all to hear this. Um, cause it is super specific and I mean, it, 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 dude, it made me, oh my gosh, I do have to say it, it made me cry. I was literally like screaming, crying. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, because like just... you hadn't heard your dad's voice in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five years and it was just wild to hear him say things that like, I've been telling myself for five years that like, this is how he felt. I know he was feeling this way. And it's not that, I don't know, just sometimes you get this imposter syndrome when somebody isn't with you and you're talking on behalf of somebody who isn't in this life with us. You can, I don't know. I, I do. I'm hard on myself about that. I never want to disrespect the memory of my father or my uncle, but to sit down and hear my father's words like that was just so eye-opening. And I don't know, I it was like a gift that I don't even know how to explain it. It was just one of those things that's so crazy and surreal. I, I've listened to it twice. I tried to listen to it again, but it is honestly, it's really hard for me to listen to you guys. Not in a way that like, it just, it makes me sad. Obviously. Um, I, I just, obviously anyone who's lost someone, I, I know Maddie knows this Maddie's lost her father. You never like that. Like I miss you feeling literally never goes away. And when you start to accept that like, there's nothing that you can do to ever have that conversation again. There's nothing that, and when you get a little blip of time like that, it just feels so, it brings back a lot of those emotions that 
I felt a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, when I feel like I was still very much within my grief. Um, so that obviously was a little bit triggering. And you're probably asking yourself, why is she talking so much? She's just rambling. But I feel like it's important that I'm honest with you all about everything that I've gone through. Um, because I feel like it does also go hand in hand with everything that we talk about on a daily basis. It's something that happened to me that is going to affect me for the rest of my life. And it should never, ever, that should never alter. And it has never altered. Don't get me wrong, but something like that should never alter the way that I take care of myself or the way that I go about my career and including flying. Um, you know, I should, they should be able to go get therapy and people who go through these kind of things should be able to openly go get therapy without there being a question of something that they love so much being taken away from them. Um, for myself, like Maddie said, I, the only reason I got my private pilot's license is because, and I believe this with my whole heart, I never would have been a pilot if my dad would have been alive. Um, the only reason I did that was because I really missed my dad. And there was a part of me that always knew that he wanted me to do this. And it was a way for me to connect with him more. And I will say that every single time I fly, I always feel really, really connected with my dad and really connected with my uncle. And getting my PPL was something that made me understand my father so much more. Becoming a pilot has made me understand so many different facets of my father that I would have never, ever known. So many different personalities and things that just... I would have never been aware about. I also have a lot more gratitude and appreciation for what my father did. Um, so to think if I, you know, were to go through all of that and then for some reason say I wanted to go get therapy or say I do have trauma from losing someone at such a young age, it's crazy to me that the one thing that I'm doing to remember him would be taken away. That's just mm -hmm. crazy yeah. to me. Um, but yeah, ran over. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I just, I wanted to do like comment on that too. Cause Emma, let me listen to the audio, obviously. Um, and it was really impactful for me to listen to too, because obviously we've been talking about your dad and your uncle Andy for the past year and a half. And I always tell Emma, like telling her story, if I have to tell her story when she's not around, because people ask about the podcast and things, it doesn't have the same impact because it's not my dad and it wasn't my situation but the way that Emma shares it is just so beautiful and eloquent because it happened to her like you can just feel it and that's why it's so empowering so to finally hear like your dad speaking and then speaking about flying talking about his heart problems talking about how he just wants to get back to the flight deck it was like it had come like full circle for me I was like oh my god and it was very emotional for me too yeah. Um, and also just because I feel so close to you and we talk about your dad and all the memories and stuff. Um, I didn't even think about it like that either. And I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I haven't even thought about that as like someone who Maddie, there's never, I mean, honestly, sometimes Maddie, your voice is like louder than mine, not in a bad way, but like in a way that like you really and, and th there's a certain part of me where like, I'm not able to like share the story the way you are, because obviously there are some days where like, it just fucking hurts. And I will be candid and real with you guys. It really fucking hurts. I could sit here and I could talk about it every single day, three times a day for a week. And then the next week I could go to tell it and I can't make it throughout the first sentence without crying. Um, mm -hmm. And Maddie, you've been the person that's been able to really take this story and embody it and share it and put something behind it. And you've, I mean, I say this all the time. I'm just very, very thankful for the way that you have dedicated so much of your time, passion, respect, and effort towards the petition, towards this story. So it's wild. I hadn't even thought about it like that because I know for you, it's got to be like almost like a chill down your spine because there's probably like, it's like, it's like how I feel about John. Like there's a part mm -hmm. of me that feels like I know John, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a part of you and I, we feel like we know him. We can, we can resonate with him, but obviously on an even deeper level, I feel like there's that connection between you and my dad and my uncle. So for you to hear that, I imagine it was like fucking crazy. crazy. Was. I, I was like, Jesse, you have to listen to this voice message. I was like, this is insane because 
even him, like he hears about your dad all the time too. And he's like, wow, this is, and him as a pilot, being an airline pilot, kind of like stepping into your dad's shoes and just hearing his voice and your dad just being like with his Southern accent, he's just like so calming and just like, you know, he seems like someone you would go out and have a beer with. And so it was just like, even the second time I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, this like, it just like makes my heart like sink and my throat kind of like tighten up, you know, cause you just feel all those emotions with him. So yeah, definitely love your daddy L and I'm just so sad that he's gone and not here anymore because of the air medical system. Yeah. So we'll include that. Um, uh, we'll, yeah, it'll be included somewhere like right here, but yeah. love you, Maddie. Well, I love you. Love you, Papa. <laughs> All right. What's going on, Timbo? What's happening, man? It's, uh, the 3rd of June, 7.30 p.m., 19.30. I'm sitting on my dock drinking beer, looking at the sun on the sound. It's beautiful. And uh, I'm trying to get psyched out, psyched up for my, uh, my trip to Dallas Tuesday morning for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all kinds of shit that I have to go through with the cardiologist down there but it's what i gotta do and uh i don't mind doing it i just really hope the fuck it's good and i can get my ass back to work um i'm getting to where i'm i'm getting pretty pissed off about all this i don't know i just uh wasn't really ready to hang it up yet you know what i mean Anyway, uh, so that's it on my end. You know, I was doing that squeezy treatment over there at Duke, and that wrapped up yesterday, actually. Yeah, Friday, yesterday. So uh, that's it. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm three months out from my last stint today. So next week is the first available time to reapply. Anyway, I hope you're doing good. I hope you're able to duck and weave and, you know, take the guarantee and all the other little extras and shit and do well. I'm envious. I wish I was there. Of course, if I was, I'd be over there, you know, jumping in front of you going, I'll fly it, I'll fly it. (laughs) I just want to go fly, man. I don't give a shit where they send me. They just send me to fucking Mobile, Alabama. I'd be happy pig and shit. Anyway. That's it. Tell Gianna hello, and that's it, man. I'll uh, I'll let you know how the week turns out. I'll be in the big B. All right, man. Take care. See ya. Great. So, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we were going to talk a little bit about Chris Daniel, and so we have some news about that. So there was another really impactful article that was recently published in the American Scientific, um, and it is from our best, Dr. Billy Hoffman. Um, It's his opinion piece titled, quote, we need to change the system that keeps pilots from seeking mental health care, end quote. So as we as literally anyone who has listened to the show like you know we absolutely freaking love billy billy is the superhero he is the goat like all things aeromedical reform billy is out here he is doing it guys um we talk a lot about case studies and how any kind of quantifiable data and evidence is going to be the key that we need to get reform happening excuse me i'm about to burp I hate how I always do that. I get a lot of indigestion when we sit here and talk. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Billy also has been on on the show, as you guys probably all know. If you're new here, definitely go back and listen to those episodes. It's episode seven. Um, I had him on. This was right when I started the podcast. I hate telling people to go back and listen to these episodes because I don't want to listen to them. So I'm like, um, I apologize for the freaking cringe. Um, But yeah, and then in episode 26, we had him on. That was like right when me and Maddie started podcasting together. So we're like two little spry young chicks. Um, Also probably was 
super cringy. Um, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get him on again to make it right. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, I have to say it when when he came on the last time, I completely had a mind fart, a mind fart, sorry, mind fart, um, <laughs> a brain fart because Maddie's in a different time zone, Billy's in a different time zone, I'm in a different time zone. When Billy told me the time that he needed to stop recording by, I looked at my clock and thought we only had 30 to 45 minutes. Oh yeah, I remember that. You're like, oh Billy, I'm sure you probably have to go. I'm like, we haven't even talked to him for like 20 minutes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, Emma? Yeah, I know. So if you do go listen back and you're like, why is, what is going on here? That's what was going on. Um, But yeah, (laughs) so go back and, you know, sort through the cringe, listen to those episodes In all honesty, they might be cringy, but Billy Hoffman is not, and he's extremely sophisticated and incredibly intelligent and just super passionate about this subject. So he is really, really fun to interview and talk to. And also he has two really incredible books. Um, So as an author, I just feel like he's able to speak in such a I don't know. Everyone says that about him. He's able to speak in such an eloquent way and write in such an eloquent, eloquent way. Like I really like enjoying reading his work. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's like, Billy is like all encompassing person, really. Like he's easy to talk to even though he's like a genius, like he's so smart and he is a huge air medical advocate, which I love. And he, supports the podcast like 100 he's always like reposting our stuff so and sharing about the pilots pandemic whenever he can so and he also invited us out to the the research event which is mm-hmm. a big deal too yeah, so we yeah. love you we love you billy if you're listening <laughs> love you billy so yeah um his article showcased Chris Daniel's story. He was a PSA captain. Um, PSA is PSA Airlines is an American regional headquartered in date at Daytona International Airport in Daytona, Ohio. Um, Chris unfortunately lost his life due to suicide in June of this year. Um, he is left behind his wife, Tessa, his two stepchildren, Lincoln and Lennox. Chris was 29 years old. Um, So yeah, the article reads, by 29 years old, Chris Daniel felt he had it all, a wife, two beautiful children, and the fulfillment of a lifelong dream of becoming a U.S. US airline captain. But in the spring of 2022, after, after years of flying, Chris knew something was not right. Shadows from his past were reemergent strained from post-COVID travel, demand, and long taxing weeks on the road. Years earlier, Chris's physician had suggested that his low mood and trouble of sleeping may be symptoms of mild depression, but like many pilots, he balked at the idea. If a doctor diagnosed Chris with depression or if he would have sought help, Chris obviously assumed that he would never be able to fly again. Seeking help seemed unthinkable because losing flying was akin to losing everything. Being a pilot was who he was, end quote. I think like one of the things that I really wanted to talk about coming out of this article is kind of like, when do you get help or do you risk losing your medical kind of like that teeter-totter because I feel like that's every pilot they're like do I go and get help or do I do I even have a problem that's the first thing like do I even have a problem if I go and seek help what's going to happen to my medical and then how do they make that decision I guess um that is kind of like the teeter-totter I feel like every pilot is on and kind of thing that I wanted to touch on today because it's important and I think that's what happened to Chris I think at some point he had to think and obviously we're going to be talking to Tessa soon so she's going to really hit it home what happened and everything but if I'm just speculating like at some point I feel like he had to think oh I need help or I want help or the opposite of I'm never going to get help so I'm going to have to just deal with this in my own way and you know, what are the repercussions if there are any? And I don't think maybe when you don't get help, you don't really think that there are any repercussions because you get to keep your medical. 
<laughs> it's the latter, dude. I, I literally, it makes me think of my uncle. It's like, it, it, you know, people sit back and they look at the situation from afar and it's like, well, why wouldn't you just get help and like get the help and like go through the wherewithal and get your job back? And it's like, bro, you start to really like think like, you know, the quote or the phrase, like put yourself in another person's shoes. It gets said so much that I don't think people actually like, like when I say that to people, I'm like, no, it's not just a little five minute thing where you kind of think I want you to like go home and I want you to sit on your couch and I just want you to take an hour mm-hmm. and start like thinking about everything because I guarantee you just as a person who's not in that position you're going to start thinking about all those different things that are going to add up on that teeter-totter like where do we put what to make what balance because it's all I mean it's so weird it's weird that you made that um what that is that a distinction or that example because it reminds me of like like a literal weight scale and like it you have to prioritize what is important for that scale to always be equal and at a certain mm-hmm. point you're gonna have have too much weight and the teeter-totter is gonna fall on one side it's either gonna fall yeah. on the side of you're gonna you're gonna take your own life or you're gonna lose your career or you might just end up dying from whatever ailment has been bothering you this entire time that you've been too afraid to seek help over Mm -hmm. so it's just I don't know the fact that you even said like put yourself in like that person's shoes it just really reminded me like of a I think it was like a reddit post by a female pilot or this could have been a direct message even or on the comments it's just like coming back to me she said I never really would have understood the weight of like the special insurance process and the aeromedical system and all of this bullshit that happens if I wouldn't have gone through it myself. And that's coming from a pilot. So that is how I feel about the current aeromedical system is that the reason it hasn't changed is because most pilots, if there isn't anything wrong with them, are not going to go the lengths to change the system because it's working for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like low key, you're right. It's like, if you play the good old boy part, like everything will work out, you know what I mean? Uh, Or I mean, I, again, like, it makes me think about my uncle, my uncle played the good old boys club. I mean, he did everything right, but it's like, something is going to happen that like, you can't recover from for my Mm -hmm. uncle. It was his heart health. And when he was hit with something that he knew he couldn't recover from, like, look what happened again, the ladder. It's like, you can only play that, that system for so long. I mean, life catches up to you, your health catches up to you and you can do everything right, dude. I mean, my dad and my uncle, like I, obviously nobody's perfect, but I'm sorry. My dad and my uncle is, especially my dad, I'll speak to my father because I'm my father's daughter. I grew up with him. Obviously he's my dad. My dad did almost everything he could have done right. He always prioritized his health. It was his number one priority. I mean, his job, his health, those were his number one priorities. Obviously, me and my brother and my sister and my mom, we were one of those priorities. But my dad knew that those priorities have to be the number one priorities because I can't have the family that I have without keeping those at the top. And I don't... mm. It's just, you can do everything right, man. You can do everything right. You can run on every single trip you're at. You can run till from dune till dusk. You can eat, you can cut out your seed oils. (laughs) You throw them out the window. You could literally do it all. But at the end of the day, if you have a genetic condition, if you have something that you're going to be predisposed to, it, it doesn't matter. Heart issues, cancer, fuck. I mean, car like, accident, car like accident. anything really like yeah. pertaining to a pilot's health can be career ending or have your career in limbo or be a detriment to your mental health because of the process that it takes. So yeah, dude, um, I didn't even think about that. Like, I mean, I, imagine that, like, imagine you're a pilot, you're on the way to work. Like you've never had a, a health issue. You've never had a mental health issue. Like you're great. You're as good as gold and you don't even have to lie about it. And then one day you're in a terrible car accident and you walk away and you've got, I don't know, like a broken back or you have a terrible concussion. Like what does that process even look like? 
Well, that's why every pilot, airline pilot, typically gets long-term disability because they know how quickly they can lose their medical and not fly. So they're like, well, we've got to have backup plans. And I think there was an aviator on here. I can't remember who it was, but they mentioned that. They're like, yeah, I have like my insurance and then I have, you know, loss of medical insurance, you know, all of these insurances just so that they can you know, take the time to take care of their health while they're in the limbo process of getting their, their medical back. It's very stressful. Um, obviously the other thing I did want to talk about though, is the question about the FAA and their whole destigmatizing mental health and aviation campaign, but pilots are still not telling their stories, wanting to tell us privately, but not tell everyone publicly because they're still afraid the FAA is going to pinpoint or target them for the truth of how the special issuance process goes. So, and they're still going out and killing themselves, obviously. So is their campaign actually working? Hell no. It's like the whole thing (laughs) with the, sorry, hell no. (laughs) Oh God. But it's like, I mean, it's just like everything with, I mean, it's just, it's like, if we really all wanted to boil it down and turn it into like grits and jam, I don't know. It's literally, it's like every single organization and company ever. It's like, it's all a business and you got to make yourself look good. If they sat back and they didn't do anything, it, I mean, it's not going to make a difference, but it's like, like what you always say, liability, man. I feel like that's their little liability right now. Like every single time you comment, I think what they're thinking in their head is, oh, well, you can look back and you could listen to um Miss Northrup's uh, uh, in the air up there episode, yes. podcast episode, or go refer to this post or go refer to this article or this page on our, on our bullshit outdated. Yeah. Hacks, or we talked about this at Oshkosh or you know, we were at NBA and we did this or that and the other. And I feel like the FA is just so combative and they, they say the same thing over and over because multiple times I've gone to these different events or listened to them virtually and they say the same exact thing. It doesn't ever really change. Well, it's, it's just like the inclusivity campaign. It's like, is, is you making it a Canva post and putting it on Instagram about how we're not calling it the cockpit. We're referring to it as the flight deck. deck. Wow. Like, wow. We've made huge strides in aviation. Wow. Like, are you freaking (laughs) kidding me? And then we sat down with Leslie and it's like, okay, this is what inclusivity looks like. It's it's sitting down with your freaking company and your employees and teaching them about how to appropriately go about new and current situations that 10, 20 years ago weren't an issue because you know you're going to have to give these people some education on the simple things like freaking pronouns. You think these old heads are going to go on Instagram, read a post, that you posted and now all of a sudden they're woke like God, no they're not going like, to read that what they're, they're not even on instagram that, yeah they're like pandering to millennial and gen z's that's what they're doing that's why they're posting those things because they know the older generation doesn't give a shit but we do but is that actually changing anything no it's not it's uh, like you you have all these women you're encouraging women to come through these companies and these programs and yet the FAA has no, like, what, what are they doing about sexual assault? Like, what what are you doing about these kind of situations? Like, if there's going to be more women in aviation, what are we going to do to support women in aviation? Like, yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. dude, it, it goes on and on. And I've said, I don't know, like, <laughs> 10 times. And I'm not going to listen to this episode other than figuring out where that spot was to put the voicemail, because I don't need the guilt and the crisis and we are recording this today and it comes out yes. tonight don't so. feel guilty I feel like we have a lot of questions like I a lot of times just ask questions not expecting an answer or to really know but just like posing that question so our listeners will you know think let it ruminate and you know sit in their minds for a little bit uh but I did want to read part of the rest of the article so I'll move on to that It says, Chris's story is not unusual. While mental health symptoms 
getting help can affect their ability to work in a big way. Airline pilots are required to meet certain medical standards in order to maintain an active flying status and disclosing a new symptom or condition to the FAA puts them at risk of losing usually temporarily their ability to work and fly. This is particularly true for mental health symptoms. The FAA bars pilots from the cockpit if they report seeking regular talk therapy for even mild anxiety or depression. This may last for months and sometimes even years based on the assumption they pose an unacceptable risk to safety. In fact, pilots find themselves among only a handful of professions that require disclosure of any encounter with the healthcare system, including mental health visits. So. Okay. Can we read that back? Right. There was one part that like, I really, really want to like hit home on. Where was it? Is it the FAA bars pilots from the cockpit? If After talk. Regularly. Yeah. Seeing talk therapy or talk help. Um, okay. Pen- so. Penny Wait. and what's her face? Yeah, All they... of y'all stop yeah. freaking lying. Stop lying to us because how can you sit there and say that oh well you could go get counseling and you can go get therapy that's not a problem okay well then the good people that freaking report it then why are you punishing them like why the hell are you freaking lying it's like you know what it makes me think that you're intentionally doing that so people will freaking report it so then you have those people in the back of your freaking book just so you can have more of a thumb on them that is the game it's all a freaking game oh my god like dude i don't know why that just really pisses piss me off like oh yeah and it's the amount of people too that come into our dms and try and tell us well oh the fa has this on their website and oh well um miss northrup said this okay well she can say that and the website can say that but that does not reflect people's personal experiences at all yeah, and also it's all right dependent <laughs> on the AME you see. Like, is this AME with the program and understand the ramifications if you do just go seek talk therapy or are they someone who follows the book by to the T, you know? Like, it it is all dependent on human factors, really, of what could potentially happen for you seeking talk therapy for mild anxiety or depression. And I think sometimes you may have an AME who's like, we don't need to report this. So don't worry about it. But there also are those AMEs who will be like, you do need to report this because this is a reportable thing. And that's where that's like the gray area. And then we have the FAA and those officials like Northrop and Giovanetti saying, you know, two different things. But I, I honestly am like, why are we making pilots see or disclose to their AME that they've gotten therapy, regular talk therapy, if we, they don't even have the manpower to go through those documents? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're making more work for yourselves. Oh, you put the carriage for in no front reason. of the damn horse. Yeah. Like <laughs> the hell. Sorry, I'm trying to refrain from using slur words. Um, but I think it's so funny. Y'all are going to listen to that. That voicemail is like, okay. One thing that that voicemail did make me realize I am my father's daughter. Like that man, he cussed like five times in one sentence. I was like, "Mm -hmm, yep. Yes, sir. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, sir. (laughs) If you don't like it, leave. Um, sorry. I said that super sassily, which might like make people like, I don't know. I don't want to be distasteful but it is what it is. I mean, if you came to this podcast, I feel like you want the real, the raw. I mean, like read the, read the description. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't come to play, but I don't know. It's the truth. That's like the biggest thing right now is like the communication. And it's, a, it's a super common theme with all the guests we have on. And it's more than just the communication that you're getting from your AME and how the entirety of the medical system works. It's the communication, the public communication amongst all of these representatives. It's the fact that not a single one of them can get their freaking story straight. Like, you say one thing, but you mean another. And uh, it's just the way that they like go about doing awareness campaigns and destigmatizing things is that it's so fucking scripted. You can't trust them. You're like, why do you have to be so scripted? And honestly, when I was at that research event with Billy, I had asked the group of people there, you know, UND was there, an FAA representative was there, and um, some people doing research for the studies. And I had asked, I said, do you guys mind 
if I <laughs> video you? Uh, and I think, I don't think Billy was there when I asked, but obviously I've heard him speak before. So he didn't care if I took pictures. Cause obviously I took one for you, Emma, and sent it to you, but all of them resoundingly were like, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I would have to check with UND or this, that, and the other <sighs> for me to be able to have you video me. And I don't want that on social media because I don't want it to be taken wrong. Da, 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 da. And that is why no, no millennial or Gen Z is ever going to trust them because they won't speak freely and candidly. They, they play into the freaking stigma that they're supposedly trying so hard to destroy. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're here at an event for mental health and aviation, but yet you don't want your face attached to it because you don't want it to be eschewed the wrong way. It just, that makes no sense, dude. It's, inability to speak freely because of the stigma given by the FAA. And then they're trying to destigmatize. It's like, you guys can't be so scripted because no one's going to believe you if you can't talk freely. And then that's why it's like top down for us. Like we have talked to people on the podcast and never even posted their episode because of how afraid they are that the FAA is going to come after them. That's how real the stigma is. <laughs> we have done multiple episodes that have not been posted or taken out whole um, segments Chunks of, of time. Episode You've written episodes. episodes to Alpa or, you know, to unions and all kinds of things just to make sure that these people aren't going to get in trouble. That's kind of how fucked up the system is. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Breathing. Ooh, so. We're just going to touch on like the last two parts of the article. Um, I'll do, I'll read the first part and then Emma, you have the last part of the article. So this part of the article, I just thought was a good, good one to read. It says, while it makes sense to ground a pilot in distress, the current system often fails to recognize the dynamic and often situational nature of mental health symptoms and often drives pilots from seeking care. Time off the job can have negative repercussions, such as a loss of pay and need for recurrent training and the expenses of additional medical evaluations required by the FAA often fall onto the pilot. All of this together result in a population of pilots working in the fleet who are suffering in silence and fearful to get help they need. We must rethink the system that drives pilots from attending to their mental health and change what seeking mental health care services means in aviation, which really like just encapsulates all of the work that me and Emma are doing to, you know, make sure that pilots seek care if they don't feel like, you know, they're going to lose their medical because of it. Um, and then we want to obviously reduce the cost of care um, and the testing and then also uh, reduce the time, which are the three pillars that we're working on. Yeah, so the second part of the article is a little bit more interesting because it mentions like Gen Z being more apt to seeking mental health care. So I'll read you that. Um, quote, younger pilots are different from past generations and are more willing to identify as needing help when it comes to their mental health, said John Dulski, 21, an aviation student at the University of North Dakota and advocate for aviation mental health reform, told me, oh my God, Girl, I'm gonna have to start oh, reading these on my laptop because it makes yeah. it seem like the sentence is over, but it it's it's keeps on going. Yeah. Oh man. So, anyways, so told him over a phone call. Um, many are more willing to choose to get care at the risk of stepping away from flying. End quote. The the answers to why such phenomenon is occurring remains as an open question that our research group is trying to understand. Could it be related to social media lowering the stigma of mental health or the influences of growing up through a pandemic? We hope to re we hope future research will reveal the answer. So yeah, we'll link the article uh, as always. We always try and link like all of our resources and stuff for the episode. We'll link it down in the bottom. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad to see that article, and it's always nice to like just read stuff that kind of reiterates what we're always yapping on about um so yeah i really i really i really enjoyed that also i just want to thank um 
obviously thank again the AOPA and Nikki um, for including me in last month's magazine and also the American Scientific for spotlighting this issue and for giving Tessa and her family a spotlight and sharing Chris Daniel's story because the more of these stories that are shared, I feel like it's the personal stuff that really, really touches people. And I feel like this is how we can make the most impact. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we got? Oh yeah. So cause we did our fun questions about Thanksgiving earlier, um, we are just going to close out the show. So I'm sorry, dude, I'm so distracted right now. Jack is crawling all over me, dude. I, <laughs> this entire episode, I cannot keep this cat off me. And it's like, I'm like pushing him away, which is like causing me to not look at our freaking thing. Okay. But anyways, mm -hmm. Jack Jack wants to say hi. He obviously wants me to stop recording because he wants my full and undivided attention. All right, kitty get. So yeah, as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps us spread our message far and wide um, for people who are interested or haven't heard about this subject and need to. Also, don't forget to sign the Air Medical Reform Petition. Um, if any of you are new here, I, I feel like there's always people that we just get slip through the cracks and they haven't signed the petition. So I feel like we can never, ever tell you all enough. Um, and it's important to have all those numbers and all these people that support and agree with our message. So it helps for all of that quantitative evidence. I don't even know what that means. I just know it makes me sound smart. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this week's episode as always keep the blue side up keep the brown side down stay cool don't frown love you all bye